Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Coolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. For the last two years, we've been journeying through Genesis as a community, delving into the origin stories and histories of our faith. In this series of Genesis, we step into the patriarchal families of Abraham and continue to see how both the promise of God is fulfilled, but also the brokenness of man. Ultimately, we see that even though we are the great promise breakers, he is the great promise keeper. We pray that this message is a blessing. Well, we are in week two of our Genesis series. Now, we have looked at the book of Genesis over the last three years. We start the year with a sermon series looking at the book of Genesis that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And we're in week two. And today we're going to be looking at chapter 28, verses 10 to 22. And I'm just going to read them out for us today before we get into it. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants a land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you'll spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples of earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone which he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of God. And we'd just like to invite up Beck as she comes up. Would you give her a hand as she comes up to preach today? Mute? No. There we go. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. As Scott said, my name is Beck, and I'm part of the community here at New Life. And it's always a privilege to bring the Word of God on the Gold Coast. But it's also a privilege to even share in the Word of God across the body of believers. How good is it that we have a God who we serve, who people in Ukraine... Ukraine are worshipping, that in Turkey, that in Syria, that in uh, America, that in Japan, across the world, across nationalities, we are serving this one true God and he calls us all family. We all might worship a little bit differently, but we are worshipping the same God and he loves each and every one of us as children. How amazing is that? And it all starts from this history that we see through this Abrahamic covenant. And God just blows our mind with what he sees into the future. But before I get too far and too excited, let's pray. 
Thank you, God, that you saw into history and you saw us, that you saw salvation, that you saw a way that was beyond sin. And I pray this morning that these might be your words, that this might be your moment where our hearts and our minds are softened more to you and your glory and your goodness in our lives. Lord, I pray by the end of this that we might see you and say, surely the Lord is in this place and we have a transformation within our own hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Scott, for reading that and also for the sermon last week. If you guys weren't here last week, Scott preached on this dysfunctional family, this Abraham family to the next generation of Isaac's kids. Uh, It was a mess and it will continue to be a bit of a mess, but it was a mess and we had father against mother, brother against brother with Jacob and Esau, Rebecca and Isaac, and it was just this clash of big personalities, a clash of issues, a clash of everything in every which way, but God is faithful to his promise, and that came through again and again. Despite the dysfunctional nature of the family, God's promise came through. The family became so dysfunctional that at the last moment, as Isaac was dying, he blessed Jacob because of Jacob and Rebekah's deception. Jacob and Rebekah stole the blessing that was supposed to be Esau's, that Abraham had intended for Esau. God never did, but Esau and Abraham and Isaac intended that. And it turned into this such an anger in Esau that he vowed to kill his brother once his father had died. He was comforting himself to a point where he's like, oh, it'll be okay, I'm just gonna kill my brother. This is where we've traveled to, where there's such anger, rage and bitterness between brothers that one is comforting himself with the thought of killing the other. Now, Rebecca gets wind of this and she believes it. She believes my son is going to kill my other son. So she concocts this plan as she and Jacob do. They're schemers. They, they make things happen in their own way. And she says, son, go to my brothers in Haran. You got to get out of here. You got to get out of here quickly. So they present this idea to Isaac as we're going to get him a wife and we're going to do it over there, way over there over there away from his brother. And so Jacob is blessed by his father and he leaves. All of this, all this dysfunction, all of this bitterness, all this anger, all this craziness and promises uh, is all the why in the sentence, Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. Now, if you just read this sentence casually, it just sounds like, ah, yeah, he's taking a trip. He has a God purpose, he's going, he's going to visit friends along the way. But the truth of it is, he is legging it. He is getting out of there from the wrath of his brother. It's not a well-planned itinerary. It is running, and he is running for his life. Verse 11 says, when he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Jacob has been running all day to get away from his circumstances, from his brother's vengeance. 
He is on a timeline. His do- uh, father is close to death, and at that point, his brother is going to start looking for him. So he needs to get as much distance as he can. So he has been traveling a long way for a long time, but now he cannot travel any further because it's dark. Electricity isn't around yet. He might stumble somewhere. He might meet an animal. There are circumstances he is now in where he is very vulnerable. He is in this place where he is separated from safety and he is alone. The passage doesn't tell us where he is. I don't even know if Jacob really knew where he was. All he knew is he could not keep going. He had left the comfort of home, this homebody, this person who was used to the tent city, this guy who was comfortable and hanging out with mum was now away from his safety, his security, everything he knew and everyone who cared for him. And he was now in the middle of somewhere with a rock as a pillow. That's how quickly he had to leave. He was able to pack a satchel maybe, but he had to get out. But there, in that place, that some place, while he was sleeping, it was God who did something amazing. Today, I want to look at what God said in Jacob's response to it. We read from verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord your God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I'll give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and will spread out to west, east, north and south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. God is incredible. Jacob is here in the dark, vulnerable and alone, and God meets him. There's a lot of things going on in this dream. We don't have quite enough time to explore them all, but what I do want to look at is the words of God. Jacob describes this place as someplace, but it's not going to be someplace for long. Jacob is always used to making the moves, but now it's God's turn to make the moves. This is a divine appointment, and while Jacob is running from his brother, he is running into God. A covenant. This is the language that God speaks. Through this part, we hear of covenant promises, and we see these before in Genesis 12, 15, and 17 that he made to Abraham. In chapter 12, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and the people of the earth will be blessed through you. In chapter 15, this is extended to land. And in chapter 17, God tells Abraham it'll be through Isaac that his covenant will continue. In chapter 26, God speaks to Isaac, reaffirming this covenant. Now, I'm saying a lot about covenant, but what is it? A covenant is more than a contract. It is a relational promise of binding of parties together. 
And isn't this insignificant? This is the God, the creator of the universe, has chosen to bind himself relationally to the, to the family of Abraham. God the faithful, God the one who is the fulfiller of promises, has chosen to continue the promise of nation, land, blessing for other nations through specific people. God places himself under obligation from his position of righteousness, faithfulness, and his plan of salvation. God extends his hand to sinful humanity in relationship, in covenant. These words that are spoken to Jacob are the extension, the ongoing continuation of covenant between God and his people. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And now we're looking at the moment where God says, will I be your God? Will I be the God of Jacob? We see the promise of land, that very same place that he is laying in. God says, this will be your land. This is a place of promise, the promise of descendants, even though right now he is completely alone and in the promise of blessing of all people through his offspring. Even more, God is promising to be with Jacob and Jacob will eventually come back to this spot. But no matter where he goes, God will be with him and he will need to know that and he will need to remember that because he is about to come up to a world of hurt that he hasn't imagined yet and he needs to remember that God is with him. God has a promise and a purpose and a plan for him to get him through those hard times, to get him through someone deceiving him, to get him through those times where he has to work harder than he's ever worked before, longer than he's ever had to work before, in an unknown circumstance where he is in a position of weakness rather than power. He needs to remember these promises. Do you remember the promises God has given to you? One of the promises he has given to all of us is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. As a believer, if you believe in the name of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, he is with you. That promise is for all believers. Now, God isn't under any misunderstanding of who Jacob is. God is aware that he is speaking to a self-serving, self-reliant, scheming person, Jacob. But now Jacob is vulnerable. His scheming has had him on the run. He is tired from a long journey and he is asleep. He is incapable of doing anything at the moment. He cannot cook anything. He cannot talk his way out of anything. He is far away from his mum and dad who can't help him now. The security of the town is gone. Any illusion of being able to manipulate the circumstances is gone. He is at his low point. He is at a point where he has to be real with himself and go, I have nothing. But it is God. It is God who stands above Jacob in the rightful position of power and Jacob, unable to contribute, is still invited into a covenant relationship with God. This covenant isn't based on what Jacob can do, the power he can amass, the people he can manipulate. 
It is based on the character, the grace, and the faithfulness of God, which will ultimately lead to salvation, which is why we get to worship here today. God has given the promise to Jacob while Jacob could not do anything before Jacob had any moral high ground. And this is true for us as well. We are unable to earn salvation. There is nothing we can do to earn the love of God, the promises of God, the adoption as children of God. Jacob would fit really well into today's society. He's a schemer. He's used to relying on himself. He's used to being independent and making things happen through his own works and efforts. He's used to looking out for himself. He's used to doing all these things and making the moves to make himself comfortable, to amass power, to create his own name. But God intervenes, God interrupts, and God gives him a different option. Salvation for Jacob starts here where he gets to identify his own faith. He gets to call it his own. We are given a new option through Jesus to trust in God, to put aside what we think we have to do to survive, to strive, and to trust in God, what he can do in a life, how he can transform a life. Jacob's life will be transformed from this point. It will be a hard journey for him as he learns to let go of so much he's used to holding on so tightly to. He'll get there. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can grow as well. In Jesus, we have a different option of how we've always done things. The process isn't always easy. The things we encounter don't always make sense. There is still sickness there's still disease, there's still financial and family problems. We are still interacting with a world that is broken and hurt, that causes brokenness and hurt, that impacts us and can cause us pain. And God is still with us. You might be here today and you might feel like you are running, running in the dark and you can't see past the right now. I don't have the magic words for you to turn your situation around, but I do know a God that although you might not feel him right now, he has done something for us all. He has sent his one and only son to the world to experience hurt, to experience pain, to be able to see what betrayal is, to be crucified on a cross all so that he can extend relationship to each and every one of us and say, come my child, let me be your God and walk with you through this. You mightn't feel God right now today. You might feel like you're in a very vulnerable situation, but please know God is with you. God one day as well, he will renew this earth and he will renew his people the fullness of God will come in and cause a new heaven and a new earth. Every sickness and disease will be gone. Every tear will be wiped away. There is hope for a future in God. We know this life can be rough. 
The incredible thing is we have a God who knows this life can be beyond rough and still entered into it. Took on the sins of the world so we can have a different option from the trap of sin. So we have a God who understands suffering and can walk with us through our own. I know when I have hit hard times before, sometimes my reaction is to build a wall up against God. But can I tell you, it's been when I have broken down those walls and invited God into that pain, into that vulnerability, into that situation, that is where I found the comfort. That is where I found the strength to keep going. Hasn't always changed the circumstances. And in some circumstances, they're still ongoing, to be honest. But it has given me a different option to operate out of. It has given me a salvation promise of a future that I can walk into with my head held high and look at the circumstances in a different light. Hope for a new creation in me, even now, for you, even as we walk through this life. God has given us a new option. Jacob could not earn this covenant relationship with God. It was God's goodness, faithfulness, grace. And from that encounter, Jacob will begin a new path that he doesn't always get right, but he'll start to grow in faith and learning to trust in God and not himself. But he is still a work in progress. So this covenant relationship that God has offered to this human being, this vulnerable, alone, in the dark human, what's his reaction? From verse 16 we read, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's household, Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob's understanding of God is expanding. He's away from his family, and now he has to stand and make his own decisions of his own faith. God is not confined to a place or a people or a time. He is not just the God of Abraham and Isaac, full stop. God has extended it further to, how about you? Can I be your God as well? Even though he is separated from where he was, God is still offering salvation. Jacob is struck in awe, and this is proper awe, with the reverent fear that comes along with it. Now, reverent fear is that increased understanding of the power, the magnitude, the perfection and fullness of God. In that moment, he is highlighted, his finite created being compared to this infinite creator God. The comparison 
is mind-blowing. It is bringing him to a place of reverent fear where he is growing an understanding of, I am just a human. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Do we understand God is with us always? For, this, for the believer, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, that wherever we go, whatever path we take, we are carrying God with us. We have God with us. Surely God is in this place. Jacob is running for his life with a rock for a pillow, but surely the Lord was in that place. God is faithful to his promises, to his covenant, to his salvation plan, and is not confined by place or circumstances. God is in this place. God goes with us wherever the believer goes. Surely God is in this place. That's the place where you are, in your workplaces, in your studies, in your homes, in your difficult circumstances, in your difficult conversations, in the places where you're hurt, in the places where you don't understand, in the places where you can't see two feet in front of you. God is in that place. God is with us where we are. And God, I pray that we might know you are in this place with us, wherever we might be, and you will help strengthen us and guide us. Draw us closer to you and know that you are in this place. So this certain meeting place between Jacob and God, the certain place now becomes a certain place of purpose, of faith, of change. The very little that Jacob had, a rock and some oil, began a pillar, a marker of significant encounter, a rock of remembrance. That would be the place where he would return and finish the altar of God, just as God has a work started in him. And when he is finished and returned, he will be a new creation as well. And he will be fulfilling his promise through Jacob. God has made a covenant with Jacob. Jacob has responded in awe and with an oil sacrifice. He has given of the little he has had and he has given that and he's now gonna make a vow. There's one commentator that called this vow the after coffee moment and soon enough you'll see why. I kind of agree because my cynical nature pops up here. It seems like Jacob's actually slipping back to his default nature, the wheeling and dealing aspect. He's still a work in progress, aren't we all? In this next part, we'll hear this if and then. Jacob has a list of things that he wants covered. He has had a God encounter, but now he remembers, oh, I'm still running from my brother. My life is still in danger. I have nothing around me. I'm really vulnerable right now. His circumstances have crept back into the forefront of his mind. So Jacob wants a couple of things. He wants God to be with him, cool, to keep him where he's going. He wants bread and clothes and to return to his father's house in peace. Compare this to the covenant 
where he has been given a promise of descendants, of land, that land he's on now, not the land where his father is, the land he is on now, the blessing of nations that will come from his descendants and that God will always be with him wherever he goes. But Jacob, he's asking for safe travels, food and clothes. God is extending favour and promise compared to Jacob's immediate thoughts of his current circumstances. Jacob's looking at the here and the right now. Yes, he needs to get to Haran for God's promise to keep going. Yes, he needs food to eat. Yes, clothes are always a handy thing. But his eyes are on the here and now. His eyes are turned inward again. I can't even really blame him for this. I don't know how many times that I've tried to say to God, if you come through with, for me here, then I will. Or then I will stop. Anyone else like this? <laughs> Has anyone else tried to bargain with God? <laughs> Let me know how you went. But it is the, God do this, then I will do the X, Y or Z. I will start tithing when I get a better paid job, God. I will start going to church more when my circumstances change, God. I will trust you, Lord, with my relationships and, you know, do it like you've instructed me to, as long as you give me the love of my life. I will be more ethical in my business practices when you see me get that promotion and higher up in the food chain. I will study what you want me to study and trust in you if I get good grades. How many times and how many ways do we try and bargain with God? If you do this, God, then I will trust you. But we know as humans if that happens, we seem to be able to rationalise it away. We seem to be able to go, oh, cool, yes, I got that job I wanted. Thanks, God, and keep going how we want, went. The bargaining isn't a transformative event because it is on our terms. It is looking inward towards us, not letting the God of heaven and earth, our creator, transform our own lives and having that moment where we can become a new creation because we have a different way of doing things, because we have chosen to follow that different path of doing things. In the bargaining, we look at our circumstances, we look inward and we turn in towards ourselves. In the transformation of trusting God, we have a different option where we can let go of our own strength and striving and trust in God who knows all, who is faithful to his promises, who is faithful in salvation. It has not worked for me and I am so glad it hasn't because we don't have a God who lives in a human structure He's not a, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch you back kind of God. This isn't karma we're talking about. 
This is a relational God who sees beyond time and history and reaches in and has a God encounter for us all. Do we trust that? Do we trust in God? If you are still figuring out this trusting in God thing, please keep going. As we can see by Jacob, he was not the best guy, but God intervenes and gives him a different option. And he will need to keep working on Jacob throughout his life. And Jacob will slowly get it over time, but he will have a new life, a new option of how to do life. It is the relationship with God that transforms life, not the bargaining that we do. Walter Brueggemann, here, theologian, says, the dream that Jacob had permits the entry of an alternative into his life. The dream is not a morbid review of a shameful past. It is rather the presentation of an alternative future with God an alternative future with God. That's not stuck in his old ways, in his old habits, in his old methods of doing things and trusting on his own strength to make the chess pieces work to his advantage. It's not our old ways, our habits, our way of doing things. It's also not shackled to our past but with a hope for the future, because God has a different way open to us. Today, we are given the alternative option. While Jacob saw stairs reaching into heaven and angels ascending and descending, God has also created another way that he can reach into humanity and hold his hand out to us. And that way was Jesus, through the faithfulness of God. His promise saw the extension from Jacob all the way through to Jesus, that Jesus would take our sin, will take our shame, will take our past, and in his death would bury those, will pay the price for sin that so entwines our lives. And in his resurrection, gives us the alternative of a life with God. In that moment, we are able to have an alternate life with God. And it is in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. If this is the first time you've heard of this or there's something stirring in you and you want to make this decision to pick this alternate life with God, please come see one of us after the service. We would love to have a chat with you. How about for the rest of us as well? Have we had any if then moments with God. Are you having any of those moments today? Is God bringing to mind the bargaining that you're holding on to so tightly and He just wants you to open your hands and surrender it over to Him? If you are, I would love to pray with you during the worship or after the service. If you want to come before the cross, we would love to pray with you during that. And during this week, I wonder if it's possible if we can have some more surely the Lord is in this place moments. Doesn't matter if we're doing the dishes and vacuuming, doesn't matter if we're dealing with kids, dealing with adults, 
dealing with whatever circumstances it might be. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Surely God is in that place. Invite Him in. Stir your spirit. Surely God is in that place. God is faithful and His grace meets us exactly where we are in our lives, as He did with Jacob. But in His love, He wants to see our lives transformed, renewed and made a new creation in His love and grace. We will see this through Jacob's life. He's not quite there yet. We're not always quite there yet either. But if, as we surrender and give over to God, we will see His promises. We will see a new way of living. God is faithful and He wants to have a relationship with you. This week, I'm gonna pray for us and, I pray, and my prayer is gonna be that we have a week that we're more aware of God in our everyday, that we are more aware of this God of the creator of the universe and realize His significance in our world. My prayer will be for us that as we walk, that we will know surely God is in this place. And wherever we might be holding on tight to, that we might be able to release and let go into Him. So let's pray now for that. Bow your heads and let's pray. Lord God, surely You are here in this place now today. Surely you are in our hearts and our minds, stirring within us. And I pray that we will realize the salvation that you have offered to each and every one of us and have a renewal of your magnitude, your wonder, your, and have all moments of you, Lord. God, I pray as we walk through our week, we may be able to see and be tapped on the shoulder and remember, surely God is in this place. And God, I pray if we are holding on anywhere tightly, if we're tr trying to bargain with you, I pray that you will continue to extend that hand that you are so faithful in extending and help us to release that. Help us to trust you more. Help us, Holy Spirit, as you transform our lives as we walk through our days. I pray, have your will with us. And may we grow more faithful to you as you have always been faithful to us. Lord, thank you for your grace and thank you for your love that you will meet us where we're at, but you won't leave us alone. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we will be stirred and walk out these doors with your fire, with your strength, trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.